This episode is brought to you by Aircraft Accessories of Oklahoma. When it's time for an aircraft component inspection, overhaul, repair, or replacement, you need experienced technicians you can trust and friendly service you can count on. Aircraft Accessories of Oklahoma, a family-owned business since 1959, delivers just that. Our techs have real-world experience and provide sales, service, and overhaul for piston engine aircraft accessories. We also have limited turbine capabilities such as fuel pumps, starter generators, and prop governors. And we can overhaul propellers ranging from fixed pitch to turbine. Propeller pickup and delivery service is available. And one more thing, mention this podcast to receive 5% off your next sale, service, or overhaul. Visit aircraftaccessoriesofok.com. This podcast is sponsored by Genesis Aerosystems, a Moog company and leading provider of autopilots for rotor and fixed-wing aircraft. The Genesis STEC 5000 is the latest digital autopilot providing increased safety plus decreased pilot workload. It's being certified for Part 23 and Part 25 retrofit aircraft such as high-performance turboprop and turbine jet aircraft. To learn more about the STEC 5000, visit genesis-aerosystems.com. This week on Hangar Talk, we're throwing out the format. It's going to be all Oshkosh all the time. And we're going to pat ourselves on the back for a Hangar Talk Award. All right. You ready to do some Hangar Talk? Let's do it, Ian. From AOPA, your freedom to fly. This is Hangar Talk. Yeah, 1056 turn right, heading 130, contact final 1324. Turn right, sky back. With your hosts, Ian Twombly and David Tulitz. This is Hangar Talk. Welcome to Hangar Talk, everybody. I'm Ian Twombly. And I'm David Tulis. All right, David, go ahead. Give us those props. The Association Media and Publishing had their recent XL Awards, and Hangar Talk, we're proud to announce, was honored with a silver award. Woohoo! That's yeah. great. You were right in the middle of the bronze that was won by the convenience stores. Yes. And the gold, which is uh, the gold award, is run by the Taproot podcast. Oh, the Taproot by, I love this. The, uh, the website says, the Taproot is the podcast that digs beneath the surface. It's the American Society of Plant Biologists, which will give them props for winning a gold. Yeah. But I'll take the silver, man. That's right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so. Me and you, babe. Yeah. All right, cool. So, hey, Oshkosh, obviously it's all anybody talks about in aviation this time of year. And uh, the show just wrapped up, so we're, we're recording this on Monday after the show. Decided to kind of let it run its course and then talk about everything that happened to catch you up. So let's start a little bit with pre-news. There's always some players that come out a little bit ahead of time. Oh, yeah. Uh, one of those, always with tons and tons of announcements, is Garmin. So... Ooh, let's start with the laundry list with Garmin and, and uh, see what's going on there. Well, Garmin is, you know, the big brother in the in the aviation avionics industry these days. And, I mean, they've got the uh, Garmin G5, which I've flown behind before, mm -hmm. and I think you have too, which now is approved as a standby instrument, not just a primary instrument. Yeah. So I think that's, that's probably news to folks because unless you've bought one and, you know, gone into the certificate and everything else, it is surprising that what the, essentially is a standby instrument the G5 used to be is awesome. Yeah, is was only approved for primary. So. Yeah, I couldn't quite figure that out. Yeah, it's kind of funny. Yeah. We were chatting about that before the podcast and I actually said it wrong a couple of times. Yeah. <laughs> but it's interesting to fly behind one of those and there are two of them in the Piper Super Cub sweeps airplane. Yeah. Yeah, right on. So also tons of other stuff out of uh, Garmin, new updates to those TXI sort of the next gen um, aftermarket Touchscreen panels, updates to the GTN 650, 750. Those are like brothers and sisters. Yep. Big units, small yep. unit. 
That's right. Uh, weather radar. This engine data display, this is kind of cool. Now that's new. Yeah, and so it's to Garmin Pilot, their app, right, their iPad. And, okay. And actually, they're on Android. So if you're an Android user, uh, ForeFlight, you can't get on Android. But Garmin Pilot, you can. It's a great app. But, yeah, you can actually get through the flight stream now real-time and playback engine data on your iPad. That's really helpful yeah. if you're trying to isolate a problem or you're going to confab with your mechanic. This is really critical information to know. Yeah. It's great. Yeah, very cool. And then, you know, some other kind of little stuff about autopilot retrofits. Uh, well, little unless you're somebody who was, uh, owns an airplane who was added to the list, which is good news for you. But then also the D2, the watches. Um, I want one of those. Yeah. I'm going to put my dip. My birthday's coming up in August 26. <laughs> Is it too late for you to put dibs in for that? Are you going to like open catalogs and leave them laying yes, around the I house? Yes, I will. Yeah. Maybe I drop a casual hit to my family. Yeah. yeah, there you go. Circle it, you know, like your kid in Christmas. I, those could be a safety item. Let's really think oh, about yeah. those watches. It really could be if you're, you're look, looking at stuff with barometric pressure, you know, how high you are, all mm-hmm. kinds of cool stuff. Yeah. In fact, I did just for fun once, we did a, a video. I uh, flew with a safety pilot and put on a hood yeah. and only looked at the watch and you navigated did. between two airports oh, how cool. just to see if how it would work. And? All I did was stare at the watch the whole time. I looked outside, there was the airport. It's like, that's great. It's amazing. So, yeah, yeah absolutely. It could be that's, it's really neat. And if, if all else fails, you got that. Yeah, absolutely. I like that. So now a new Garmin competitor, Dynan, which you, they didn't used to uh, share the same space. Now they do. Dynan uh, really pioneered the kind of the little standby mini instrument. Oh, uh, boy, did they ever. Yeah, many years ago. And so they've come out with a new one. This is the D3, the D3 pocket panel. Now, Dynon is a familiar name to home builders and experimental aircraft folks because they it's prevalent in that, that realm. And actually, um, at AirVenture, several of the folks who were on the innovations panel were looking at using Dynon's angle of attack indicator hmm. uh, for other projects to try to increase aircraft safety. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So this D3, they've always been really innovative. Um, the D3 is a little EFIS that you stick on to your windscreen or, you know, mount to your glare shield or whatever you want to do. This one's got a new synthetic vision display, better brightness, better touchscreen interface. And it's also, I mean, in the scheme of things, pretty cheap. It's a thousand bucks. Now, I can stick that on the panel, and I'm going to put you on the spot, on, okay. a, on a certified airplane or an experimental or home-built, or do we not know? Well, it's meant to be kind of a, you know, not a standby in the certified sense where you're going to stick it in the panel. It's meant to be more of a— Situational awareness. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. I mean, although I, I'm sure there are experimental owners who have put those things in panels. Absolutely. I like that whole concept, man, because that's the thing is that anything to increase aircraft safety, as I just mentioned, angle of attack indicators, Mm -hmm. uh, these are are cool things, and it's important. And even the NTSB is saying, and they're on board with saying, hey, this will really help pilot safety. Mm -hmm. Because we're looking at uh, stem and loss of control, that kind of thing. Yeah. So um, speaking of actually safety items, you know, those little portable ADSB receivers. Yeah. So two new ones came out right before the show. Obviously, these are huge for iPad users and Android users. One from the folks at Sporties, Forflight, and Apario, the Stratus. The Stratus. Yep, so we got a Stratus 3 now. Not a 2, but a 3. A 3, yeah, okay. we're on the third gen. Higher capabilities. Yes, um, and almost at the same time, Forflight 
uh, put out an ADS-B receiver with a carbon monoxide detector built in. All right, so the Four Flights is the Sentry, and yes. it's got this, the the carbon monoxide detector, which I understand the Sentry. That's like I'm watching over you, yeah. and I think it's a good idea. Yeah, uh, and you know, combining a couple of things in one in one package. Yeah, and the price is pretty uh, pretty attractive at 499 bucks. It is. Century. It is. The, so the Stratus Three, I you know, I think. I think they saw a little bit of pricing pressure with the Sentry, uh-huh. so, you know, uh, in a bit away the Scout, and so actually the the Stratus Three, the newer gen, they used to be eight ninety nine for the two S, and now the three is six ninety nine. So six ninety nine for the three. Yeah, and then we have four ninety nine for the Sentry. Yep, and then on the lower end, not introduced, but. Dave T has a scout. <laughs> yeah. But I can't get, and you and I were talking about this before yeah. the podcast. So I cannot get synthetic vision with my scout, but I can with the Sentry. Yeah. So, actually, funny enough, with the scout, if you go to flywithscout.com, this is the best. I mean, I know Sporties does a lot of stuff too, but we found this uh, one of the best side by side comparisons. If you're getting uh-huh. confused about all the four flight uh, ADSB receiver options. Or you know ones from Sporties or whatever portable we might yes add. that's right portable. yeah portable yeah <laughs> this won't help you in 2020 <laughs> no, there, no. January that's, 1st you know what actually okay quick diversion that's a great point yeah so the FAA has surveyed folks uh-huh. who and they say do you have ADSB uh-huh. and uh, essentially do, are you compliant with ADSB and so the FAA knows because you have to register your ADSB out unit they know exactly well, you have to test it yeah exactly uh-huh. so they know exactly how many are installed yeah well big surprise. The number of people who respond that they have ADSB mm-hmm. and are compliant is significantly higher than the number of installed units because <laughs> they think the portables are going to do exactly. it. Exactly, that's right. exactly right. So it's better than nothing, but it's not in the eyes of the FAA. Exactly, it's not what they're looking for. <laughs> yeah. So if you've got a portable and you think you're good, come January first, twenty twenty, you best um, be saving up some yeah. aircraft monetary units <laughs> that's right. to upgrade. And 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 start reading because it's like yeah we we talk about this stuff but um, anyway yeah diversion so go to flywithscout.com you'll see there's a really nice comparison chart that goes through the scout the first gen Stratus they'll probably update this first yeah. gen Stratus Sentry and second gen Stratus price features that kind of stuff so yeah and it's good to know and I, and I do like the fact that there's uh, continued innovation in that field yeah and um, you know and again anything to enhance safety and like mm-hmm. you and I were just talking about you know, I like to get my weather I like to look ahead of time and see where I'm going to land look at the METARs and things like that as well as traffic I mean it's so important to, to just be aware yeah absolutely okay all right so let's get to the show we're at the show yeah yeah we're at the silver medal winning XL That's Award right. Hangar Talk That's Show. Right. <laughs> um, and this is also, I should quick diversion, this yeah. is our 51st production. So nice. that's pretty cool. We're that on our cool. way to 100 now. That is cool. Okay. So lots of new airplane, well, new airplanes, lots of airplane derivatives, lots of general news. Tell me some of the stuff that, that you found cool, blew you away, you're excited about. You know, g- give, me, give me this scoop. What were you feeling good about? Well, the, the cool thing that I saw that I, I really was attracted to was that the folks at InFlight Cam came out with sort of a headset uh, microphone adaptation for, for folks to use if they already have a, an active noise-canceling headset that they use around a house or if they're on commercial airline flights, that kind of thing. There's a microphone technology that you can buy and attach to that and make it an aviation-specific headset hmm. and it's inexpensive relatively speaking yeah at 249 bucks for the mono version and 299 bucks for the stereo version hmm. which uh, also has inputs for music okay i think oh, this is a really nice. cool thing that for nice. folks who are notoriously cheap yeah. this is a neat thing 
<laughs> it's called the in, the in-flight mic. In, yeah. in as in the letter N. As in November. Yeah, and okay. I love it. And Patrick Carter, who started that company, he's just a cool guy. Yeah. He's a career pilot. You probably know him. Uh-huh, yeah. And uh, nice just really, really, uh, he, and he's very well known for technology to get, uh, you know, videos going in and mounts and all kinds of suction cups and things like that. Yeah. It's just another evolving, you know, piece of gear that that he's already got experience building yeah that is that is very cool very cool well let's talk about some of the airplanes a little bit um in terms of new airplanes that were introduced lancer um keeping with the ocean uh creature theme has taken the mako and introduced the barracuda the barracuda yeah and so so that's a two-seat version Uh of this uh composite kit aircraft the triple twos they went for two seat yeah $200,000 $200,000 and 200 knots. Yes. Ooh. Yeah. Well, back in the day, the Mooney 201 was labeled that because it went yeah. 201 knots yeah. on a 200 horsepower engine, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Two. Is it knots or miles per hour, the 201? Oh, it might have been miles per hour. I That's think a it was good miles point. Per hour. Yeah, because 200 knots is super quick. Yeah. Yeah, so the big the big bore moonies do that, but I think it yeah. might be my yeah yeah. Okay. So um, miles per that makes sense. I wonder if that was more about, attainable. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if that was two hundred grand when it came out. That'd be interesting to look back and see that. But oh yeah, it would be. Yeah. So yeah, you know the Mako. Um, Dave Hirschman flew that recently. Really liked it. They've put yeah. in a lot of really interesting things into that design. Chief among them is this automatic nose gear retraction. Oh, that system. is cool. And you don't do anything; it just does it. It just does it. Now the the main gear is fixed. Yes. Correct. Okay. It looks really weird when it's flying. Well, that's yeah. okay. As long yeah. as it operates good. Yeah. Yeah. You can get the fixed gear version, but so it's just really cool to see Lancer. Wait, wait. Know. Dave flew an aircraft that wasn't a tailwheel aircraft? Yeah. That's, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Well, although it kind of looks like one <laughs> while it's flying because yeah. there's no <laughs> nose wheel. You know, it's retracted. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> You're looking for like a little tailwheel. But yeah, Lancer is doing cool stuff and uh, good to see them operating again. So the Barracuda, uh, keep an eye out for that one. And they're making that in Texas. Yeah. That's right. Cool. Yep. What else is going on? So, uh, t- well, we well I was at one. Yeah. Uh, it was called the Stratus Seven Sixteen X. Yes. And this is a little bit higher ticket item. Mm-hmm. Still an experimental home built builder assist category. This is the Seven Fourteen X was a was a four person twin jet. Yes. And it flew last year. They mm-hmm. did some demo flights. It's a real sexy looking aircraft. Mm-hmm. Well, so that was the Seven Fourteen. And what do you think the 716 is, Ian? Uh, I'm going to guess it's six seats. It is. All right. Man. You read my program notes. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So that was announced. Yep. Interesting. Yep. Vulcan Air. Vulcan Air. Well, okay. Yeah. Well, give us the drama on Vulcan Air. Well, actually, as we started to record the podcast, it looks like I got a message on my. On my phone, maybe mm-hmm. Vulcan Air is uh, back in the air. Mm. But um, Vulcan Air, the V1.0, is a Cessna 172 lookalike, sort of, kind of. And it sells for about hundred grand less than a 172. Uh, $278,000 is the projected price nowadays. You can get it with a, a fixed pitch prop or with a constant speed prop. Now, when they, it was introduced last year, high, it's a high-wing four-person trainer. It was introduced last year. It was about two hundred sixty grand with a constant speed. There was no mention of a, of a fixed pitch, but you can get either or hmm. for the same price. I would guess flight schools asked for fixed pitch. I, I would think guess you're right. That was a market demand. Yeah, issue. because it's simpler. But yeah. it has a glass panel. It's got a Garmin glass panel. It's hmm. pretty cool stuff. Yeah. And uh, the big news for, for folks who are going to be owner operators is it's got three doors, not two. Hmm. Like a 172, Cessna 172 nice. has two doors. 
So this is kind of a neat thing, and it's it's been in uh, in operation in Europe for years. Hmm. The problem was that when we went to visit uh, the Vulcan Air for the press availability, they didn't have the aircraft. It was like a, a vacant triangle of grass right there. Oh. And so, well, the aircraft, well, anytime you're bringing a model to the United States, and this is ESA certified, mm-hmm. the European certified, yeah. um, there's always some hiccups. Yeah. And, and so they had a little registration hiccup, but uh, mm-hmm. I believe that it has been solved. I'm, I'm guessing it's been solved. I didn't read my message okay. a minute ago. Guessing it has been solved. Hmm. And uh, so it's imported and uh, put together in Miami from Italy. Yeah. And it's Luigi Pascali. Is, is yeah, a, yeah, it was designer. the designer, yeah. So yeah. this is a, a proven aircraft. Hmm. I, I'm pretty excited to see it. I'm hoping I can fly it soon. That's yeah. the whole deal. Yeah, soon, very soon. Well, yeah, sorry to not see him there. That's I, That's got to be so hard when you push so hard to make oh, a show yeah. like that and then sure, don't make it. Sure, sure. So, um, so we'll see. We'll see how they come out. Stuff that is happening, electric, couple of electric announcements. Not a huge amount of uh, movement on this. But Sunflyer was there. The Sunflyer um, Two was uh, they were showing off. They I know they showed off the uh, the mock um, the electric motor. They had like yeah. a stand and yeah yeah. And now the thing about the Sunflyer is that I think this is real. I oh, mean, yeah. this is like real stuff. George buy and buy aerospace, and they've been uh, testing this airplane and flying it for a while here. Mm-hmm. So this is kind of neat. Yeah. They're based out of Colorado and Denver. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. yeah, and I think that uh, this might be a kind of a cool thing for the training market. I think you and I were talking about this before. Three bucks an hour to operate this. Oh, yeah. You know, once it's online. Yeah. And, uh, and, and I mean, gosh, I could... Shoot, I could get a lot more people involved in aviation if I'm only, mm-hmm. you know, say the cost, save the cost is reduced to half of what it is now. Yeah, that would be a huge stumbling block that's removed. Oh yeah, you're talking saving thousands. I mean, they they market this as a trainer, which it is. Um, it's an initial, you know, initial foray into uh, certified electric. First, all electric. Yeah, certified. yeah, and uh, so I mean, you you could you're talking about shaving thousands and thousands of dollars off yeah. of the training bill. So the FAA certificate incredible. is in the works. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah. big news. That that really is. It is very cool, and I think you know honestly the fact that they're working with Siemens for the for the electric motor yeah. is a huge deal. Um, you know, the Siemens folks told me earlier that they're that they think that we're all going to be flying commercial aircraft with electric engines by twenty. 50. Mm. That's 30 years from now. Yeah, I don't know about all electric or even hybrid. I mean, I could see like electric supplementing. Hybrid, I can see. Yeah. yeah. But um, it's cool to, you know, cool for them to dream. That's awesome yeah. to have a goal. You got to well, have a goal like yeah, that. When absolutely. You're an engineering company. So, right. Yeah. Um, so, a little bit in the weeds now, but Pipistrol, which is has the Alpha Electro. Right. So, now this is a little confusing. It's semantics somewhat, but. Uh, Sunflyer says they're going to be the first FAA-certified all-electric. Right. The Alpha Electro will probably be flying in the U.S. first, but it's an LSA. So it's a light sport aircraft, yes. not a quote-unquote regular <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> right. So it's not aircraft. certified. It's approved under the right. ASTM standards. Right. Um, so they were there talking about charging, which I know is a concern for people when you're talking electric. But, you know, they—, they are talking about charging times that are like, you know, what you would do in a turn, basically. Like a quick turn. Yeah. There you go. And then, yeah. and in fact, aren't, now, aren't a few of these already flying out west, out in Fresno? In yeah. Area? Well, that's the thing. I don't know if they're actually flying it or if they are. It's under like an experimental because these are flying all over the, the in the rest of the world. I mean, uh-huh. the technology's there. But the ASTM standard for uh, LSA, yeah. for LSA, for an LSA to be approved, it's there is no electric 
standard. Uh, so there's for no it. category. Yeah. It says someone's got to come up with the the language. Exactly. So yeah. the technology is there, but there's no approval vehicle. So basically. the hang up again is paperwork. Yeah. Just like the Vulcan Airs. Yeah. yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah, that's right. What else? What else did you see? Well, we saw. Well, how about Magnus Aircraft? You want to talk a little bit more yeah. about them? Yeah. Well, um, I didn't see it, but I heard a lot about it, the Fusion 212, and we've written about this a few times. Mm-hmm. This is a side-by-side seating dual-control aircraft, and it's got—now, it's not electric. It's got the Rotex 912 engine, but again, a cool airplane, and uh, I, I think we're going to hear a lot more out of them. Mm. So they make—one reason people may have heard of Magnus is they do make electric. Going back to electric for a second. Okay. Um, in fact, they had an accident recently That's right. about that. That's yeah. Now it's coming to my mind. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, so it's interesting that they came and showed off the powered version. So I, I, staying on electric for just a second— Yeah. One of the pitfalls of electric, at least one of these VTOLs, the Surefly was there. Oh man, this was not go- not cool. I was there for this. Okay, <laughs> that was a, so um, it was hot. The highly anticipated flight of the Surefly, yeah, which is like a giant drone. It's an octocopter. Okay, and it just looks like a scaled up Phantom Three that mm. I own, and um, but a human fits in it. Hmm. So all eight blades were worn and they had uh they had uh, towed it out to the to the ramp at AirVenture right before the show, the air show on Tuesday. And I was there with my long lens, ready to roll, get this thing lifting off, and it just sat there, Ian. The blades were spinning but nobody was home. <laughs> so the Surefly Surefly surely did not surely fly. Did, yeah, I'm just- I hate to knock them on it, but you know the thing is. Well, so is why? That, what happened? Well, uh, well, I immediately asked that question yeah. and uh, uh, to my buddy Dick Napinski when I saw him, and he didn't know. He's uh, the the public yeah. information uh, folks guy, yeah. yeah, and he didn't know. And he said we check on a bell. That we found out the next day that the wind was uh, higher than five knots, so it wouldn't fly. Say, say, say what? The wind was higher than five knots, so it wouldn't fly. <laughs> Now, it, I, correct it, me if I'm wrong, but a Cessna 152 can go in 15 knots crosswind, right? Yeah. Is it is it a balloon? I mean, <laughs> right, what, right. five knots? Like, I, I, I think people fly ultralights. They fly powered parachutes in more than five yeah, knots. Yeah, I'm a little worried about this technology yeah. if that's the case. Oh, I mean, man. yeah, I mean, a, a small consumer drone can fly in a pretty good wind. Yeah. I, I, I took my Phantom up to test fly it, and it was it was like the the forecast here was like ten to fifteen knots. Yeah, and I was out at a park, but you and know, it was holding its own. Yeah, it was yeah. fine. Yeah, so I don't I don't know unless maybe mm. the, I don't I'm know. worried maybe. about it. I'm yeah. worried about Ian. I mean, hopefully they put it. It's like a self imposed limit because you know they don't want to make a spectacle of themselves at the show or something. But oh my gosh, that's true. Knots. And then right before right before Air Venture, I should mention this. The did you see the video of the thing called the Black Fly? Yeah, this thing is amazing. It's like this. Uh, it's the first one that we've seen that's not really like a quadcopter sort of E. Yeah, it's a real different design. It's vertical takeoff and landing also. Yeah, but it's like this. It looks like it levitates. It's really you can't even describe how it flies. It's really weird. And apparently, it was a stealth program for a number of years. Nobody knew it existed yeah, or anything yeah. like that. Yeah, very so, cool. But it's a single person vertical takeoff and landing device. So they're calling it a flying car. Hmm. But I, I mean, I don't know why you call. Does but it he, go on the Does it go on the road? I don't know. Yeah, because mm. <laughs> we had this before, where one of them <laughs> yeah. called itself a flying car, and there was like no wheels. So, right. Yeah. Well, speaking of which, I was at the uh, at the intro of the Switchblade, but mm-hmm. they had been previously introduced. But um, they guess had an update for the Switchblade, and this is a this is a ducted fan rear engine 
ducted yes. design. I remember with this a, one with the wings that fold out from underneath and tuck back underneath it, and it's a like a tricycle yeah. car yeah. device. Uh, let me ask you this, Ian. Yeah. Did you ever play golf before? Yeah, sure. And then when you guys rented a golf cart, it had four wheels of three. Uh, it had. Four. So when my brother Martin and I, you know, used to go golf with my dad, and this was a long time ago, mm-hmm. we used to try to get the three wheeled version so we could tip it over, <laughs> real easy. They had a three wheeled golf, golf cart. cart yeah, didn't they? yeah, yeah. And until people got wise, and too many of us, oh too many of the golf carts ended up in in the lakes well, and the ponds. I, I remember and tipped over. They, I remember they had like three wheel ATVs when I was a kid, and those disappeared. I think they might have outlawed them. Or right. Something. Yeah. I, I, so I'm a little worried about the switchblade. Yeah. It's got a nose wheel in front. <laughs> that's your regular traveling wheel. And yeah. Two wheels in the back, and yeah. I'm just thinking this mm-hmm. is not. I, I just get I just get nervous when I see these three wheeled motorcycles. Yeah. Have you driven a motorcycle with th- like a sidecar? No, but every time I look at it, I think I don't understand the physics of this. No, thing. you need a special license for that. Do you? you? Gotta, yeah. I and mean, then, they must go around corners at like ten miles an hour. And well, or like and then a Scott sidecar device. Yeah. I mean, you're in the air. Yeah. I've been in the sidecar. That's you're low to the ground, and it's yeah. very exciting. But man, Ooh, you go man. around a, a, the opposite corner, and you're in the air. So I'm a little worried about the switchblade. Okay. That's all I'm saying. Okay. However, it's a great idea. Yeah. If it works, fine. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, it's Air Venture. It's all about innovation. Right. So, you know, it's good to see them there, I guess. So right. That's cool. And so we got, uh, now we're not, but we're almost done with Oh, okay. That, You're, oh, we gotta, you got more? Well, there's, there's, well, we Let's could hear talk, it. well, we could talk a little bit about Icon. Okay. Do you want to talk a little bit about their new program? Let's hear it. All right, so Icon is starting a fractional ownership program with this two-seat A5. This is the amphibian that mm-hmm. you'll remember. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so the company is going to establish uh, uh, maybe 10 ownership groups around the country, mm. you know, by the end of the by the end of the 2019. And so right now they're looking at Tampa, you know, Miami, Los Angeles, and San Francisco. And, um, you know, they're battling back from the pretty highly publicized crash of uh, Ray Halliday. Yeah. Uh, but they had a big booth over there at Air Venture, and it still is a cool design. It's very cool. I mean, honestly, you know, when Dave, uh, or, you know, our buddy Dave again, when Dave flew this for the first time, he came back and said, awesome flying club airplane. Yeah. And I totally get it because it's kind of like a, it's kind of like having a jet ski in the sense that you use the jet ski, you know, people... To the non-hardcore pilots who buy this thing, uh-huh. um, it's a toy, right? It's a weekend toy, yeah. and kind of like a jet ski. And so for those people, it's like they're going to use their jet ski like four weekends a year. Uh-huh. So when you're buying an Icon, a two hundred fifty thousand dollars jet ski, it's right. like you don't want it to sit there the whole rest of the year. No, so it oh, makes I sense. see. So if you're rotating it through a flying club yeah, or something, now all of a sudden it's getting the exercise. I yeah. get it. I get it. Okay, yeah. that makes sense. Uh, it's, and more people could have access to it. Yeah, and I, I think it. for non-pilots, I mean, obviously flying clubs are good for pilots, but but it's I could see the cell being easier for non-pilots in this way. The timing, though, you're like, Whew, well, I hope this I hope this isn't a bad sign that they're already coming out with these shared ownership right, options. Right, right, right. Yeah. And then now, and I, uh, you and I both take a look at the Gamma reports, mm-hmm. the, the the Manufacturing Association reports, and I, I think they're knocking out those icons about one a month or so, yeah, something like remember. that. I mean, they're 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 making them. Yeah. 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 So, uh, you know, it would be kind of cool. I mean, if you had four people and you went on a $250,000 airplane, four people each for 60 grand, I mean, you know, uh, it's a boat get, for a lot of people. A truck. A oh, truck. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> it's know? an F-150, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Now I hear you. So, yeah. All right, cool. Hey, good show.
It's a good year. Yeah, that, yeah, there was a lot of neat stuff there, and I think that if anyone has um, listened to the podcast that hasn't been to Air Venture, uh, really owe it to yourself to go. You know, hook up with somebody, maybe act as their safety pilot and fly in there. That's yeah, really that's the ultimate idea. way to do it. Camping out and all is a really neat thing. But it's just so cool the camaraderie. Um, I can't say enough about meeting people and greeting folks and folks you've seen. And I, I, a real quick sidebar. So I, I was a Mooney owner for a long time. And so, uh, and I, and I was hanging out with, uh, the Cessna pilot society, my buddy, Mike Jesh mm-hmm. over at the, and he flew in and the caravan of, of, of Cessnas and there was a Mooney caravan and there was a Piper caravan yeah. and so there was That's a Bonanza awesome. caravan. Yeah. So, um, but anyway, I, I met one of the Mooney chat digest folks that I had only seen his, you know, his messages, yeah. uh, Dave Peeler. And so he was such a cool guy and he helped lead their, the Mooney caravan, but it was just neat. So that's the kind of stuff that you see that a lot cool. and it just makes, it just makes it a lot of fun. That is cool. Yeah. Very cool. All right. Well, Hey, so we got to get to our guest, which is also air venture related. Um, in that you talk to, uh, your boss and, and our colleague, Alyssa Cobb about the sweepstakes airplane. That's right. The Super Cub Sweeps Piper was there, and it's just beautiful. We mentioned it earlier at the top of the show. It's got two Garmin G5s in there and a whole bunch of other neat stuff and a great engine. And she's going to tell us about some of the quirky things that that she has seen and heard and, and found out about while flying that across the country. Welcome to Hangar Talk, Alyssa Cobb, the manager of the Piper Super Cub Sweeps Giveaway Airplane. Yes, uh, uh, Alyssa, we're at a. Uh, we should tell our podcast listeners that we are doing a special podcast today from EAA Air Venture, 2018, over in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. And uh, tell us a little bit about uh, the Piper Super Cub. There are a lot of folks that are asking questions. What's like the the main question on everyone's mind? When am I going to get it? <laughs> Everybody wants to win it. Yeah. They don't want anybody else to touch their airplane. Uh-huh. Um, and they want to know when they can pick it up or when we'll deliver it to and them. And how can they increase their odds of winning this Piper Super Cub on float skis and Tundra tires? Right. That's, that's about the second most popular question. So... All AOPA members are automatically entered for a chance to win the Super Cub. Uh, as long as their membership is effective as of March 31st, uh-huh. uh, 2019, that's the cutoff date. And we will surprise the winner about this time next summer. Uh, so they can join. They can uh, do automatic annual renewal. So if they do that, they get five extra entries. That gives them six. Oh, cool deal. Yeah. And every donation to our advocacy fund gives them another entry as well. Oh, that's another way to win. Yes. That helps. So we've had several members here at the show who've either changed their membership you know, from the one year to the automatic annual renewal to get extra entries. And we've actually had a few pilots who have rejoined Ah. AOPA because they they want that chance to win. And actually, I uh, relieved you for about an hour today uh, at AOPA's campus here by the Piper Super Cup. And folks were just very impressed with that airplane. It is beautiful. And, And Baker Air Service did the restoration. It's awesome. 
Yeah, Baker Air Service in Baker, Montana, uh-huh. did the restoration. They've restored about 40 Super Cubs, including serial number one, right. which they won a Gold Lindy for at AirVenture here maybe five or six years ago. It was at the Anoka AOPA fly-in. No, yeah, I think it was. I think it was there, but I, if I can't remember if it was there or not. But I know that we spoke about it. So that's where I first yeah. met the first met the Meggers. Tell us a little bit about them. Yeah, they do amazing work. Their attention to detail is just unparalleled. I mean, everything has been thought of with the Super Cub uh-huh. from the ergonomics, how you sit in it, how you fly, where the rudder pedals are, um, outside the paint is just pristine. It's a high gloss paint. And I notice a lot of people, they go around feeling the airplane, uh-huh. then they're kind of surprised that it's fabric. Uh-huh. They're expecting metal or composite. Right. That's how shiny it is. And it's taut, too. The fabric is taut. It's all yes. the money. You were saying a couple of things today that were really cool. You were telling some folks that were very inquisitive about the aircraft that the fabric covering process has a little bit of a unique twist to the wing. Tell us a little bit about how they do that. Yes. If you notice, a lot of aircraft, they're going to have a seam going right across the leading edge Uh of the wing. And this one does not. It's a smooth leading edge. And that's why a lot of people probably think that it's metal because it looks smooth, just like a metal wing. What they do, they have a special process where the fabric overlaps Mm -hmm. more than in other cases, the FAA apparently sets a minimum amount for the overlap, but not the maximum. So they just overlap it a little bit more. And so the seam actually goes across the top of the wing, right under the vortex generator. So you don't really see it if you're standing by the wing or below it. No, you don't see it at all. In fact, one member who was, he was so perplexed, he was at our Missoula flying, he uh-huh. could not figure out where that seam was. And he was looking all over the airplane. And so I was talking to Roger and asked him, uh, and he even felt on top of the wing, and he, he felt the vortex generators, uh-huh. but he didn't feel the seam. Uh, I did the same thing yeah, today. You can't. Couldn't feel it. Nope. Yeah, so it's, it's like it's seamless, right? <laughs> right. That's pretty cool. I used to have an air coupe, and it had fabric wings, too. Um, so I, I know a little bit about the uh, fabric covering, but my air coupe was nothing like this airplane. This one has a 160-horsepower engine. Yes. It's got a full digital panel. It's got two of those Garmin G5s right in front and center, and you flew this puppy from, like, the East Coast to the West Coast. Yeah, I have about 60 hours in the airplane now, and it, it flies great. The information that you get from the panel is amazing. A few of the members have been a little leery because there's so much glass in it. The yeah. 2G5s, the yeah. Garmin Era 660, which displays the weather and traffic from the ADSB in and out that we have in the airplane. But it's actually a helpful tool, especially when you're flying across the country and you need to deviate around large sure. weather systems. Yeah, weather is a key thing. And also, I was telling folks, like, situational awareness, know yeah. where you are, and plus obstacles and things like that. We didn't have right. that kind of stuff, you know, even you know, 20 years ago. Yeah, and the Super Cub speeds, you're not going to outrun something. That's what I was concerned <laughs> about, taking it to from... Maryland to, to Montana right, in to June. Yeah. Um, but what I found was it goes so slowly that the storms often pass through before you get there. And <laughs> so sometimes never. you can still keep your original destination that you planned. I would have never planned. thought that. That's pretty cool. Yeah. But the cool thing about this panel is we kept it the size of the traditional low panel. So yeah. when you're in straight and level flight, you look right over the panel. You you have unobstructed view. And so it's not like your eyes are going to get glued to that glass. You can just fly the airplane like you would fly any old Super Cub, looking outside, yeah. stick and rudder flying. So the glass isn't, you know, 
right there in your face. It's not overwhelming is what right. you're saying. Yes. But it, it does have some cool advantages. We have a really nice engine and monitoring system. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I was asking uh, you know, about this earlier today. The fuel flow is digital and the senders are digital. It's really cool. So you don't have those little bubble gauges on the side of the, the wing roots like a lot of Cubs. Right. right, and they're very accurate. We have checked the fuel burn, so when we shut down, we look at how much fuel the size gauges say that we have uh-huh. displayed on the JPI EDM 900, uh, and then compare it after we get our fuel receipt at the end, and, and it's very precise. Very so, how, so, so members and others like myself are, are a little frugal, so like how many gallons an hour does this cub burn? Uh, if you're up high, around seven and a half, oh, uh, but, you know, cool. eight and a half. Yeah. yeah. Kind of like a, one, a 172, maybe a little bit less than a 172. Yeah. Gotcha. So now you have had some really cool and interesting training in this cub. You've actually challenged yourself. And folks who are in the podcast world listening, y'all might not know that Alyssa has a really nice Cessna 170 tail dragger. So you are a, you're a bona fide Cessna uh, pilot, a tail dragger pilot, a super cub pilot. And so like, well, I'll tell you what, let's back up. Why don't you compare and contrast the 170 to the Piper Super Cub. Oh, well, okay. Because we're looking back in time. I mean, both these aircraft were, were made, like the Super Cub is a 1954 model, right? Yes, it's a 1954 model, completely refurbished. Right. Now, what year is your Cessna? It's a 1953. So they're close. They're like sisters. They they're are. close in time. They are. They don't look anything alike, no. especially once you open it up uh, inside. I yeah. have I have the well-worn, well-loved interior, very <laughs> traditional panel. I, it does have a DG and an artificial horizon. I mean, the gyros, yeah. not, not G5s. There's nothing electronic in, aircraft, in it. Right. Yeah. Your aircraft is recently painted. It looks real nice. And I must say that you know, I know you are, you are really a very active pilot, a, a flight instructor. The podcast listeners might not know that you're a flight instructor and really can critique these models, you know, from a real, uh, you know, from a really good standpoint. Yeah, they're they're both really fun to fly. The Cessna 170 has the springy landing gear, mm-hmm. so it's really challenging to really grease a landing because you may not, you know, bounce back up into the air, but the gear may flex a little bit. Uh-huh. Um, actually, found there's some modifications being experimented with here oh, at. Air Venture that oh, I'm interested cool. in that kind of takes that out. But the Super Cub has great gear. It's also on the Tundra tires, but it has Burl's Aircraft Alpha Omega suspension system. I've noticed that. There's yeah, hydraulic different. suspension in front, it looks like. It looks like uh, they've no. got control arms or something. Right. There are control arms. There are no bungee cords, no right. no air oil. Okay. It's actually a polymer inside oh, neat. that compresses and contracts. And okay. the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service uses it in Alaska. Wow. In Nome, and they've used it at minus 40. Still so works it's great. more trouble-free. Yes. less maintenance. That's why he designed it for folks flying in the backcountry. Yeah. They approached him and said, I broke down in the backcountry. I didn't have this or that. You need to make... Something, something like that. They, yeah, they, you and can so, avoid that, right? Right. Yep. So we got an STC for the gear, and it's nice because it, it also helps take a lot of the bounce out, so you can have really nice landings in the Super Cub. Well, you have twenty-six inch Tundra tires on this thing. These are tall. They tires. are. They're not so, the tallest, but yeah, they are. But when you land, you don't bounce and like float and then come out. I, I, for for folks who are listening, I am like a tail dragger student right now. <laughs> So I've had a couple of good landings, and I have a, a couple that my instructor Dave Hirschman rescued me on. Yeah, but uh, but when you have the big tires, it doesn't make you bounce. No, it does. No, these 
these don't now it's it's wonderful when you land in grass you mm-hmm. know that's what these are made for off airport grass gravel that kind of thing the pavement is actually a little harder on okay. them not saying I'm perfect I've bounced the super cub don't worry it wasn't bad I didn't hurt it for all <laughs> of you who want the super cub <laughs> but it'll still bounce but you get more you know really nice grease job landings in it and the the tandem seat with the stick you know, versus the 170 uh-huh. side-by-side seating with the yoke. But it's it just feels really natural flying a stick airplane with the stick in your right hand and the throttle in the left. It yeah. kind of feels like that's the way flying was meant to exactly, be. Exactly, exactly. And I I, um, I got my seaplane rating about uh, about two years ago in the Super Cub. And so I understand a little bit more about the model. It was really fun. I mean, this is a fun flying machine, whether it's on tires, Floats. I can't say much about skis because I haven't done that yet. Have you done that yet? I haven't. I have tried three times to fly on skis right. uh, this past winter, and the snow eluded me each time. So oh, I, I got have, you. Well, it's yep. still on the still on the books, though. You got to yeah. knock. Yeah, you know, got to check that off. Yes, and this actual Super Cub has time on skis. Oh. So the hey. previous owners, Bill and Brenda Allison, uh, ranchers uh-huh. in Montana had it on skis so gotcha. that they could even monitor their ranch in the wintertime. It makes sense. It's an all-terrain, it's an ultimate all-terrain vehicle mm-hmm. if you're a pilot. It is. Now, one thing that's about the Super Cub, uh, a lot of pilots don't have experience with heel brakes. I know I didn't until I started uh, flying the Super Cub. Right. And that takes a bit to get used to because you kind of have to turn your foot a little sideways and slide your heel over yeah. to tap the brake. But now, for folks who haven't flown a tail dragger that much, myself included, like one of the first things that, that I heard was, hey, Dave T., you really don't want to use the brakes that often anyway. Right. Yes. Right. So with the heel brakes, just you know, basically they're there, but you really are controlling more of that with rudder authority and power, you know, mm-hmm. as you're taxiing and just being real, you know, cognizant of where the wind is. Yes. And uh, the way the rudders are set up, the rudder pedals and the rudder itself, it's very responsive taxiing on the ground. Like the 170, there's a lot of delay, so you do tend to use the brake oh, just a tad more when you're taxiing. Yeah. But the Super Cub, you really don't need to. Now, when the aircraft is on floats, uh-huh. um, it's kind of like a shopping cart. You've got four wheels that are amphibious floats. Oh, right. And Tell so us about that. Yeah, yeah. you will end up using the heel brakes a little bit more when you have it on the floats. What's it like flying this kind of aircraft in the amphibious configuration? Yeah, it's a blast. It's so much fun. Dave Hirschman and I landed uh, Mark Baker's Super Cub. We were using it as a stand-in at last year's Uh fly-ins. And we landed it in the Mississippi. And you can just, landing on water is just, was a whole new experience for me. Uh It's so peaceful. Like when you land a a tailwheel, that's when everything is getting exciting, right? You got to be on top of it with your feet. You can't relax for one moment until event. you've got it tied down. Right. But you splash down on the water, bring it to an idol, and then it's just like you're a floating boat. Yeah. It's so relaxing. The key to the amphibs, though, uh, is the gear. It's catastrophic if you land in the water with the gear down, okay. it'll flip the aircraft over. So, a lot of the training is 
you know, take off, bring your gear up and say, okay, I am a seaplane now and verifying that your gear is up before gotcha. you land on water. Understood. So it's, it's, it's just another check that we're doing when you have a normal gums check. This is, you know, the real deal when you're doing your gums check, you know, mm-hmm. undercarriage. That's for real. Right. Make sure it's down. Because it's really interesting. Well, you say wheels up for seaplane ah. or wheels up for water landing or wheels down oh, neat. for runway landing. So it's just something to add into your into your uh, mental checklist. Yes. You the hardest to. thing for me was verifying that my gear was up. I would say gear down. Oh. Because uh, you with your commercial training, right. you're thinking gear down for landing. And right. I visually checked, and they're up, but down is what came out of my mouth. And so the instructor and I worked a lot on so that. So it takes some practice. It does. Well, folks who will win this aircraft will have some time to play with it. They will. And actually, if the person who wins the airplane doesn't already have his or her seaplane rating, uh-huh. Promark Aviation in Texas is donating training for toward the seaplane rating. Oh, now that would be super helpful. Yes. Now, for folks who don't have a seaplane rating, this is—I mean, it's a—it's a great thing to do. It was a lot of fun. It taught me a lot about flying because I was, you know, I kind of grew up on a, a tricycle gear airplane. Um, but uh, the cool thing was, like we talked about earlier in the podcast, it's real stick and rudder flying. It's look out the window and figure out, listen to your airplane, that kind of thing. But it was a real challenge. I felt like I was a better pilot after that. Yes, I I felt the same way. I got mine in January, and it it is probably the most fun I've had in getting a rating. Now, how many hours did it, did it take you? I think it was around six and a half, maybe. Oh, I think I was like a little bit over eight. Well, it you're was, a better pilot than I am anyway. <laughs> no, it has nothing to do with that. We had <laughs> we, There were a lot of time pressure commitment. It's fun stuff. Now, um, one thing that I, that I noticed, so you read a little story about uh, the Super Cup here at the show, and is it true or is it just a rumor that, that a, a young lady licked the airplane? <laughs> she, she said she did. I was watching. I don't believe she did, though. But, uh, yes, uh, every member who comes up to the airplane, they say, hey, that's my airplane. And then they'll say, well, no, it's mine. And um, the, the best comeback I heard to that was, you know, this member walked up and um, the woman was holding a flash. Uh, someone was taking a picture, and so she was holding the flash uh-huh. to get a really nice shot of the panel. And he was saying, oh, don't, you know, be careful around my airplane or something. Don't touch yeah, it. And she yeah. just looked at him and goes, well, I licked it. <laughs> to claim and, it as her own. And stopped him in his <laughs> tracks. He had, it was <laughs> it was a combination of a horrified look yeah. and a shocked look. And then finally he said, well, that was too much information. But I, I don't think she really did. Well, now, um, we talked a little bit about, that is a pretty cool story. That, that <laughs> yeah. is neat. Now, um, we, so we can either confirm nor deny it's true. <laughs> but, but we're going to be given a really good wash down. We're gonna, we'll <laughs> right. get all the fingerprints off. Um, every, so it's, it's going to be all shined up again after air Right. Venture. I think that's clever. So people ask a lot about uh, another part of the aircraft, and I, I really didn't know what to tell them. I thought it was for the floats, but... You explained it to me, and I felt like, uh, you know, I, I felt like I could have done this better. But there are some strakes in the rear of the airplane on mm-hmm. the fuselage um, near the elevator. Tell me a little bit about what that's all about. Yeah, so the tail strake is just a thin piece of metal that sticks out horizontally from the fuselage directly in front of the horizontal stabilizer. Uh-huh. And what that is is part of our VG kit. Uh, STC that we got from Cub Crafters. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. And so it helps it be a little bit more controllable at lower speeds, that kind of thing. Yeah. 
Yep. Cool deal. So what's the lowest you've uh, speed you've landed the Super Cub at so far? Uh, well, I don't look at the airspeed indicator oh, after great short answer. final. Oh, great so. answer. Great answer. <laughs> On short final, usually around 52 to 55 is yeah. what we were doing out um, in McCall, Idaho for the Mountain Canyon flying. But haven't looked past that point to see how slow it gets. And that's really the uh, key point because I, and I had trouble uh, landing the seaplane until my instructor said, hey, David, you know, look outside of the cockpit, listen to the engine, mm-hmm. and don't look at the airspeed indicator. You know, once you kind of are stabilized uh, in that seaplane uh, landing configuration. So that actually, that was a trick question. Yeah. <laughs> I, like to tri- I like to trip up my, uh, my guests every once in a while. Oh, okay. So, um, so, uh, so we talked about that, the strakes, we talked about the BGs, we talked about the panel, we talked about some of the electronics in the airplane. We talked about the engine a little bit and the, and the meticulous uh, rebuild that has gone into this. Um, how long have, did it take these guys at, at Baker Air Service to, to put this airplane together? Oh, it was over 2,000 man hours. They probably started in earnest on the aircraft in August, and uh-huh. they had it done by the first week in April, but they were working pretty much around the clock because yeah. we had uh, we had a narrow window to get it down to sun and fun because of weather and constraints like that. Right, there was a lot of pressure to get it get it fixed yeah. and get it done, and actually get to get you checked down in a seaplane just in case you had to uh, some seaplane activity planned. But this airplane doesn't have floats on it yet. Right, no, it won't have floats on it yet. Um, probably by the end of the year, we'll be putting on the, the Whipline 2100 floats. And uh, tell us a little bit about the Whipline 2100 floats. They are fantastic. We actually, uh, Baker Air Service was bringing the aircraft to Oshkosh for us because they had installed the AmSafe airbag seatbelts uh, just a couple weeks ago. And so they stopped at Whip Air, which uh-huh. is in Minnesota, on the way to have the aircraft scanned so that we can get an exact paint match uh-huh. for the floats okay. they're going to be painted yellow and they'll have the gotcha. the black lightning bolt so it'll match the airplane perfectly uh, one thing i didn't know is that the yellow paint tends to darken a little bit in the sunlight mm. and so just giving them the paint code wouldn't be as exact as that. scanning it so yeah so they did that they're going to be they have the floats they're going to be going over them meticulously and then they'll they'll paint them for us but the amphibious gear is is remarkable to fly with. It's fun to be able to land on water or uh, land. Well, and you might need that option depending on weather or yeah. services. Right, exactly. Gotcha. So now um, uh, we'll wrap it up pretty soon, but, um, but we're t- you know, talking a little bit about the flying qualities of, of this aircraft. I was on a photo mission with you, and uh, you did some formation flying. Mm-hmm. What was that like in the Super Cub? It, it's amazing. You can the visibility is excellent in the Super Cub, and um, having the the stick makes it a little easier than a yoke. I think uh, flying in formation, but I just had to lean forward a little bit to always keep uh, keep you in sight. And Mike Felucci was in the the back. He's a veteran formation flyer, and uh, I was like, "Well, am I in position?" Or and he couldn't see the the photo platform plane because he was in the back and he said if you can see 
David's camera, he can see you. And gotcha. so that was how I would line up to try to make sure you were, you were getting whatever shot. But I must say, at first I thought it was Dave Hirschman giving me the workout because I was sweating like crazy right. through that. You know, tighten up, get closer, do this, do that. And then I found out it was actually you oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> positioning me for the shots. Uh, but I, I told Mike after the photo shoot, I said, man, I think I'm sweatier now than when I go to the gym. <laughs> That's right. It's, it's, it's a, a real workout. It, it is. is. And it teaches you a lot about your flying skills, uh, whether on, they're on one side of it or the other. But it's a lot. You know, it's, it's about precision and mm-hmm. confidence. And I think that you actually probably you could probably tell me that you probably grew as a pilot during that mission, too. Yeah. Every mission, you're learning something new. And actually, the the Super Cub project has helped me grow tremendously as a pilot as well so i did my seaplane rating uh in january so that i'm you know ready for when the airplane goes on floats um i've been doing some formation training wanted to be make sure i was ready for the photo missions and then all of the new vfr cross country and i mean across the country flight planning is is very different than if you're going 100 miles, 200 miles, something like that. When you're talking 20 and a half hours over three days from Maryland to Montana, all the the changing winds and weather, and it's so much to consider. So, uh, you know, the decision-making, the flight planning, not just the stick and rudder skills, but all of that it's, has really sharpened my my flying as a pilot. But you met a lot of people on the way, including tons of people up here yes. and, and uh, the Montana fly-in. And the the people are the best part. You know, they, they're they so friendly. They love the airplane. They love the craftsmanship of the, of the panel that Aerotronics did and of the work that Baker Air Service did. And they just want to get their picture with it and... A few things have caught me off guard along the way. I'm, like what? I'm, I'm trying to keep note of the humorous thing. One is, you know, someone saying they licked the airplane. That was a new one. Yeah. But at the <laughs> uh, Missoula flying, I was just talking to a gentleman, and he looked at me and he goes, "You fart." And I must have given him the oddest shocked look yeah. because he could tell. But I wasn't quite sure how to take that, and <laughs> um, he quickly said something was wrong and and said, uh, oh. You know, where I work, my buddies and everything, that means like you lucky person. He said, I guess I should have said you lucky fart. You know, and he apologized. I said, oh, no, that's good. You know, I understand what you meant now. And uh, he actually, he felt so bad. He came back the next day to the flying again and looked me up and he said, I am really sorry I called you a fart. And oh, I said, goodness. that's okay. I understand now. I said, I. I didn't mean to give you whatever look I gave you. I was just yeah. caught off guard. That's pretty wild. But, uh, yeah, and I've had uh, one uh, woman ask me what my pant in- inseam was. Now, that's a little um, personal question to ask. <laughs> I would go and file yeah. that under too much information. Or <laughs> right. like my daughter, uh, Laura, would say, TMI, Dad. Yeah, exactly. So I, I ended up saying, well, here, stand beside me, and, and oh, we'll see where me. our hips come. She wanted to see if she could fit um, in there. Yeah, so... Super Cubs, a lot depends on the rigging and things. Yeah. In Baker Air Service, they custom cut their cables for the rigging to the Piper standards. Um, and so the aircraft is rigged well, really well. But some people and other aircraft possibly not rigged as well. If they sit in the full forward seat position in the front, they can't get full back stick. Oh. And um, 
that's not the case. I fly in the middle seat position, and uh-huh. that's, that's what she was wanting to see was see. H- how far forward she mm. would need to be. But they have rigged it so whether you're in the first, second, or third seat position, you're not going to have any interference with gotcha. the stick going you know, under the instrument panel or not being able to come full back. And and what you're trying to explain to us and to the podcast listeners that might not be tailwheel pilots and to me who's a novice tailwheel pilot is that you need full back stick when you're landing. Yeah, when you're landing in three-point attitude right. and when you're taxiing, you want to have... That's critical. Yeah. That's, and that's the main thing that keep you safe. When you land it, make sure you got no more flying left in the aircraft, right? Exactly. Cool yeah. Stuff. And so no, that's was, what, that was a good question she had. It is. It is. Um, and so it it's kind of funny because the members do get very personal. They don't realize it because they're thinking about themselves and the aircraft. And yeah. so they, you know, come up and ask you some some personal questions and yeah. you just got to figure out how to get her. Get, get an answer out yeah. there. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, I don't think you nor I can win this particular Piper Super Cub <laughs> on tires, floats, or skis. No. But there are tons of people out there that can. Yes. Circle back around with us real quick and tell us how they could, just remind them how they could win the, the Super Cub and uh, what they have to do. There's just a couple of steps. Yeah. And some things are better, you know, some things to give them a better chance. Yeah. Uh, join AOPA. That that gets you automatically entered. A mm-hmm. lot of people think they have another step that they need to take, but that's not the case with our sweepstakes. Automatic once you sign up. Yep. Uh, sign up for automatic annual renewal. So that's when it just renews automatically off your credit card every year. That's five extra entries. So you get six. That makes six. Um, and then for each individual donation to the advocacy fund is another entry. And is there a minimum donation to the advocacy fund, or does it could be like any? I guess it could be anything. It can be any amount. And a lot of folks don't know what AOPA really does, and I'm not going to take the whole podcast or you know to explain it. But we have a ton of advocacy efforts in Washington D.C. to keep flying safe and to keep airspace available to us, and also to keep the cost of flying down mm-hmm. to where we can afford it. And so that 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 every little bit helps with those measures. It does. It does. Yep. Sounds good. Well, is there anything else that I didn't ask you in this uh, rather in-depth interview uh, that you have to tell us about the Super Cub? No, I, it flies great. We have the skis here at AirVenture uh, for people to see. But um, Now, a couple of people, before we close, a couple of people did ask this question. Mm-hmm. Does the Cub have wheels and skis at the same time? Yes. So, so what these is, are hydraulic skis. Uh-huh. Now, it won't be the Tundra tires. They won't work with the ski. It'll oh, okay. be normal-sized tires. Regular-sized tires. Yeah. Okay. But the, the skis will go up or down. So okay. when it's on the ski, and you always have the tail wheel, will stay on the back. Okay. Um, so this way you can land on pavement, a paved runway or something. And okay, Go gotcha. out and fly. And, and then um, land on, on snow. Or yeah, like put there's the skis a couple, down and land on the couple snow. Of big, uh, a couple of big ice runways that, that pop up, you know, once a year. Right. Something like that. Mm-hmm. Or in Alaska. Yeah, on a glacier. Yeah. You know. So the one thing that people will probably need after they win the Piper Super Cub on floats, tires, or skis is they'll probably need a cabin in Colorado, Montana, or Alaska <laughs> to utilize it on. Yeah, I wonder if we could find someone to donate that. That would be the cherry on top. Sounds like the next project. Well, we want to thank Alyssa Cobb for joining us today on Hangar Talk Live at uh, EAA AirVenture uh, over here in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. And you and I will see each other back at the office real soon. 
And yeah. until then, thanks again. And, and uh, do me a favor and keep that Super Cub in pristine condition and make sure no one else licks it. <laughs> Will do. <laughs> Cool. You know, uh, David, I, I sometimes, because we're not eligible to win as employees, I sometimes calculate the cost of quitting my job temporarily <laughs> that would be a to nice... be eligible to win some of these. And I think this is one of them, to, to have you know the ultimate toy, the ultimate backcountry traveler, just fun machine. Tundra tires, awesome. skis, and floats. That's awesome. I mean, that would be the way to go. The, yeah. the ultimate SUV in the air. Yeah, absolutely. And then, and then, uh, if I, you know, if I was going to win that airplane, and mm-hmm. she told us a little bit about this uh, during the interview, even though someone licked it, I'm still okay with it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. On that note, I think we'll uh, come back for next time. So I'm Ian Twombly. Our editor is Austin Hansen, and I'm David Tulis. Don't forget, you can find us at aopa.org/hangertalk. We're on iTunes and at the Sporty's Takeoff app. All right, we'll see you next time. See you next time, Ian. Hangar Talk from AOPA. Your freedom to fly.